the Roman law was run by the Romans and they didn't want anything to do with this Jesus stuff. That's what it's set up in today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And we are studying Acts chapter 18 as we go through the Bible. I'll tell you, this is a great story, so stay tuned. It's gonna start in about five minutes with that teaching, so make sure you stay there right now. Ryan is here, right? All right, well, in today's reading, we learned that the Apostle Paul had been under a vow, possibly a Nazarite vow. So today, you and I are gonna discover exactly what the Nazarite vow entailed. Very good, excellent, Janice. Today, God willing. All right, well, God willing, we're gonna finish the story because <laughs> Pastor John Williamson is here from Faith Gospel Tabernacle. Now, we'll finish your story today. We're gonna do it quickly. So. Stay tuned, about 25 minutes, it's coming up your way. Right now, let's open up our Bible and look at what God is saying to us from Acts chapter 18. Acts 18, 9 through 23. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in the city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters." and he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Sencrea, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus, and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus, and when he landed at Caesarea, and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 23. Acts chapter 18, chapter 19, and chapter 20, as we continue going through the acts of the Holy Spirit in developing the church. You know, wherever Paul traveled, the city he entered was shaken by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And let me tell you something, the church was strengthened because of it. This happened despite the opposition and the persecution. Some saw Paul as a troublemaker because the communities he entered were supposedly doing fine before he brought his good news. They were accustomed to worshiping many other gods. Paul was the church planter and he built people with the word of Jesus Christ. Today, much of North America is reeling in the loosening of the truth about the Bible. They are facing the truth about lies. Lies have filtered into our education. They have filtered into our political system. They have invaded our economy. And the truth of Jesus Christ, however, heals us as people. We become a people who are different. And the world changes when we take the truth of Jesus Christ and apply it into our lives. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. And as we do so, let me just say, that's uh, important that you get a hold of it. If you don't have your Bible guide, why not? Write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. And let me just say, thank you so much for your donations. We so much appreciate them. We really do. And especially right now in the time of the world that we're in, I just thank you that you've made a decision about the Word of God. And we teach the Word of God that we don't spend a lot of time raising money. And uh, that's by choice. And we trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So thank you so much. It'll take you to a page where you can download just how we printed it, the Bible. So you're seconds away from, you've got thousands of people who do this, seconds away from joining us. News of Christ is strengthened. Father, help us today to hear your word. Help us today to listen to what your spirit says. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful and glorious name. And we all said together, amen and amen. Now, this, this is chapter 18. Chapter 18, beginning with verse 9, which speaks this way. Now, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. So the Lord spoke to Paul by a vision in the night. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. He's talking about the city of Corinth. Okay? And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Galileo was proconsul of Acacia, the Jews, with one accord, rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, listen, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names of your own law, look to it yourselves. For I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no notice of these things. Fascinating. What did we learn? Roman law in Corinth was operated by Roman officials who did not want to get involved in religious affairs. The religious leaders 
formed their own council and beat those who responded to Christ. Bottom line, the religious leaders are the ones who hated Christ. That's why I say to people, I'm not religious. Do you understand? Now, the Bible does say that true religion is a religion who follows God. But we have such ideas in our religion, you know? Our religion says this and says that. But what does Jesus Christ say? What does the Lord say? Because we don't serve a set of laws. That's not what saves us. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who rose from the dead. He is the one who was crucified for our sins. Very, very important. With that in mind, we go to Acts chapter 18, verse 18. So Paul still remained a good while in Corinth. And then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centria, for he had taken a vow. Taken a vow? Paul had taken a vow in his personal growth in Jesus Christ. We can as well. Beloved, listen to me. There are times when we feel that we want to do something in our own selves. To tell ourselves, settle down, we serve the Lord. That's good. And there are times when we can do that. We don't use that time to manipulate others to respect us or any of that. In fact, it was Jesus who said, when you fast, do so, but make yourself look good and don't let people know you're fasting. Paul was doing this and he cut his hair and all of that, but this was normal in those days. We need to understand that there are times when we need to do that. And when we do, we don't need to draw attention to ourselves and say how great we are. We just need to, to do that. And be cool about it. Don't let other people know and all of that business. Very important. All right, let's go on to the next scripture, 19 to 23. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the gathering place or synagogue and reasoned with the Jews in Ephesus. When they asked him to stay a long time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Phlydra. And in order to strengthening, in order, strengthening all of the disciples. Very, very important. Paul was traveling around to strengthen the disciples of Christ in the early church. Beloved, we need to hear that. There are those who still work for Jesus Christ in this religious world. And we do live in a religious world. There's a lot of religions being recognized and a lot of things happening. But do you serve Jesus Christ? Do you serve the Lord God Almighty? That is what a Christian does. A person who serves the living God. Come to Jesus today. If you are curious, you want to know, or you feel burdened down by sin, pray and say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. Forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart because I believe 
that you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day and you are alive. Come into my life and show yourself real. Change my life the way it should be in Jesus' name. And we all said together, every one of us, amen or make it so. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the program. Today's segment relates to Acts chapter 18, where we find the Apostle Paul at the completion of a vow which he took. Now, while the Bible doesn't tell us specifically what kind of vow this was, it's possible that it was a Nazarite vow, which was first established back in the time of Moses. As a matter of fact, it's first described in Numbers chapter 6, and it lays out exactly what this oath entailed. And that's what we want to discover today. And also along the way, we'll look at some famous biblical people who also took this Nazarite vow. So let's go. The vow of the Nazarite, first described in Numbers chapter 6, was a pledge whereby one separated himself unto God. It was called the Nazarite vow because the word comes from the Hebrew Nazir, meaning separation. It was an oath that both men and women could take, and the separation was twofold. It was a separation of oneself from the things of the world, and a separation of oneself unto God. As a part of this separation, a Nazarite was required to abstain from three things in particular. First, he was not to eat or drink any products made from grapes. In fact, even grape seeds or skins were forbidden. Second, a Nazarite was not to cut his hair or allow any razor to come upon his head for all the days of his separation. And lastly, he was not to go near a dead body. This included even the person's immediate family, such as father, mother, brother, or sister. If somebody happened to die suddenly in a Nazarite's presence, then he was deemed unclean and was required to bring three sacrificial offerings before the Lord for his cleansing. Furthermore, his previous days of separation were nullified and thus had to begin the vow anew. When the days of his oath were over, a Nazarite was required to bring three animal sacrifices, a burnt, sin, and peace offering plus the customary grain and wine offerings. Finally, his head was shaved and his hair burned up upon the altar. While the duration of the Nazarite vow varied, according to Hebrew tradition, the minimum length of the oath was 30 days. And while most people took the vow voluntarily for a fixed period of time, such as Paul the Apostle, there were a few who were made lifelong Nazarites from birth, such as Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist. It is notable that John the Baptist, a Nazarite, was called to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, a Nazarene. But since the titles Nazarene and Nazarite have no relation, this seems to actually serve as a contrast between the two. Jesus was called a Nazarene simply because his hometown was Nazareth. As with John, the prophet Samuel was also dedicated as a Nazarite by his mother Hannah even before his birth. Nevertheless, the most famous or perhaps infamous Nazarite in the Bible by far was Samson. But this fame is probably more due to the fact that he was also by far the greatest failure since he lacked discretion and thus ended up violating all three of the requirements. 
Later, in the book of Acts, we learn from Luke that the Apostle Paul had also been under such a vow, and had even assumed the heavy expense of purifying four other men that had such vows on them. While no other Nazarites are mentioned specifically by name in the Bible, we do know that there were many. The prophet Amos, for example, criticized northern Israel for perverting the Nazarites with wine. And the Jewish Roman historian Josephus mentions a large number of Nazarites sponsored by Herod Agrippa I. So even though the Bible doesn't mention a whole lot of Nazarites by name, we do know that there were a lot who took the vow, both men and women. And I think this principle of separation to God is still very important today. And while it may not involve the growing out of our hair or coming near dead bodies, the point is that we should really learn to dedicate ourselves to God. And sometimes that means that for a time we remove all distraction so that we can spend uninterrupted time with God. Because the more time you spend with God, the closer He will get with you, the closer you will get with Him, and the closer He will get with you. Yeah, that's right. That's really true, Ryan. Thank you very much for that, Janice. God willing is what I called the segment today because it's really interesting to see how that Paul is in Ephesus and the people want him to stay. Here's his, his answer. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you God willing. Isn't that interesting that Paul added that? He said, God willing, I will come to you. And you know, it's a good reminder for us as believers in Jesus Christ, that if we follow God, that it's very important for us to follow what God's will is for our lives. And we've been listening to a wonderful story from uh, Pastor John over the last several days. And, and one of the verses that you and I were given when we got married was this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And I think that's exactly what we've been hearing from Pastor John in the last several days. Because Pastor John, your life, if you were to title it, is brought to you by, no, you can't. But God has made it Yes, you can. can. And uh, <laughs> you, you know, what seems impossible with man is possible with God. And mm -hmm. we've, you've been saved in the cloakroom. You've gotten involved in church. You've gotten, you know, God has taken your jobs away. And then you went to Canada. You got to Canada and you were involved in churches and all that. You bought a piece of property. And now you personally, with three other men, took down a church that you bought and rebuilt the church on the property it's on now. Right, yes. So how long did that take you? Well, the church building, the, the church building, the new church building, uh, not the new one, not the, the new the, one, the old one, the, the old building on the new property. Well, the old building, uh, we started to uh, build that in April and we were into the building by September. Okay. So it wasn't that long wow. uh, for that building because it was uh, 8,000 square feet, 4,000 up, 4,000 down. How many people did you have in the church? Well, at that time, we were probably still running in round about maybe if we were doing 50 people, we're doing well, because we started originally with five individuals. So again, we do serve a can-do God. Mm -hmm. That's the difference right there. Uh, again, we had heard from God. And then God started to, to bless it. And by the time we realized that we needed to, um, you know, build another building, uh, we were having 300 people in a 200-seated building. Wow. And then we had two services. So we were having 600 people in a 200-seat <laughs> building. 
because God had blessed it. And uh, then we, you know, even okay. prior to that, though, 2002 was was when we first said we need to build a new building. And 2002. 2002. So from 2002 to 2008, we had worked on the plans of building the new church. So you had worked on the plans, really? Yes, that, that early. Wow. And then we're trusting God uh, for that growth. And then our growth, literally, once we filled that uh, small church once, then it just automatically doubled uh, within a short period of time. So now, now, remember, this is farmland around you. Farmland, okay. nothing there. And they said to you originally, when you bought the piece of property, we're not going to build out there. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going out there. But something happened. God happened. <laughs> and God knew something that the city councilors didn't know. Correct. Correct. And the, I, I know for a fact, because I've read it in the Globe and Mail newspaper, that the immigration has increased over the years yes, yeah. uh, to the point right now where we're taking in roughly 270,000 people a year yeah. from immigration. They build houses. They did. They, did. they are all around your church. You are there, there's you got to be your subdivision is bigger than some cities. Absolutely. And originally there was nothing. We were on septic. We were on a well when we were planning. That's why it took us so long from 2002 to 2008. How were we going to get water uh, to the building? Uh, how was this going to happen? How are we going to get through the planning uh, permission? But bit by bit, God worked it where they literally had to run the water pipes through our property. And they actually city paid us and, and, and give us the fire hydrants and everything for, for the property. And then to hook up our, uh, literally our sewerage and stuff across the road, uh, our plumbers had estimated it was going to cost about five or six thousand dollars to make the connection. They had missed it all together, but the developer who was building the houses in the area said, look, we don't want you to do that. We're going to do it for you. It would have cost us $100,000. They closed off the road. They go down 30 feet. They make our connections. My goodness, God just brought it all together. Our new building is 40,000 square feet. We could take our old building and drop it into the foyer. <laughs> that is just the goodness, the goodness of God. Our church seats now 1,200 people. It is absolutely amazing. And uh, it's a great church. One of the things that is really stunning is the road that my parents used to live on back in 1980. I don't know what it was, Credit View Road or something? Credit View, correct. Uh, the city came to you and said to you, do you want to call it Salvation Road? Yes, yes. And what did you say to them? Well, originally we didn't jump all over it. Um, because, well, they had given us names in the past and the, uh, the residents that were there, uh, didn't agree with the, the, the names. And one day we had driven in and they'd called it Mount Pleasant, 
Mount Pleasant Road and hadn't even told us. And we call up the city, say, hey, you can't do that. We're here 20 odd years. You just can't change the name of a road without our permission, you know. And uh, they said, well, leave it with us and we'll, we'll give you another name. And they called us up one day and said, look, uh, we've got another name. What do you think about it? And I said, well, what's the name? And they said, well, Salvation Road. I said, give me seven days to think about it. <laughs> and uh, on the seventh day, we called them back and said, look, that's acceptable to us, and it's called salvation. Now, only God can do something like that. And, uh, and, and it was them that suggested it, not us. It wasn't even us that put the name forward. It, it, was, it was the planning department. Yeah. yeah. The, the wow. planning department of Brampton, Ontario. Brampton, Ontario suggested And so there you go. And you're, you're, the address is on Salvation Road. Your website is FGT. What is it? Faith, Faith Gospel. Gospel. Dot com. Just oh, faithgospel.com. Faithgospel.com. And we stream your services live on Bible Discovery TV every week. So make sure you join on. You're also on Bible Discovery TV Network, which is a 24-7 streaming service we have that we stream on our website and we stream in the uh, Roku channel and the uh, Firestick channel and all that. But it's important to remember that people need to understand that you are faithful, mm. faithful, faithful faithful. God knew the thousands, tens of thousands yeah. of people <clears throat> around you. Uh, it, it is absolutely the hotels torn down yes, and yeah. everything. And now they're, I drive out there about, I think it was like two months ago, and they're building a huge building. Yes. Tw over 20 stories. Yeah. Over 20 <laughs> stories and their apartments. Yes. Yeah. And they're right next to you. And the city said, we're never going to build out there. <laughs> but God knows the end from the beginning. But what people have to understand as well, Pastor Rod, this has been a 39-year journey. 39? 39-year journey. God has got plenty of time. That's what, why we can be encouraged. God isn't finished with those that are watching yet. You know, it's really important to hear that time is different to us than yes, it is to God. Yes, absolutely. And God, and, and you, you've got to make sure that if God tells you something, you got to stick to it. Faith, faithfulness are paramount. Faith and faithfulness, faithfulness go okay. hand in hand. John, thank you for being here. It's my yes. pleasure. What a joy! It's going to be good. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, it's absolutely stunning and amazing, and. Uh, what can we say except God did it and God still works miracles yes, he does. even today. Mm -hmm. Thank you for watching the prayer time with us. And let me just say we have a live prayer meeting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 3.30 Eastern time in the United States of America. We'd love to have you with us. Join us live as we pray for you. Today, we need to pray and say, Lord, I pray for those you have called into leadership, called to travel around the churches, called to provide leadership. 
Help them and touch them today and touch my pastor as well today. In Jesus' name, amen.